0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Today I am ending my four-week or five-week series on First Things First. And First Things First, uh, how many have enjoyed this this series? It's talking about placing priority in place uh, and uh, having uh, the Lord's greatest command of loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength be first place. So I want us to let, make sure we, we pay attention at church, because that's why we get up in the morning, to get to experience God. So bring your Bibles, your good old-fashioned Bibles. God forbid we bring Bibles in church now. Let's get your Bibles. Let's get your tablets. Let's get your, uh, if you're watching online, get your Bibles. And let's turn to Matthew 25. And as you do, we're going to start in verse 1. And uh, Matthew 25, verse 1, and then we're going to pray. Let's pray. Amen? Are you guys excited about the Word? Are you guys excited about the Word? Some of you guys don't care what I say. You're not gonna clap at all. I'm like, you excited about the word? Hurry up. <laughs> so let's pray. Father in Jesus name, I ask Lord Jesus that you would anoint the word that you would release fire because your word is your fire. Father help us to have a renewed hunger for your word. I was praying this morning and I felt that you highlighted that. Father that blow blow in our hearts the dust uh, from the lack of reading and studying of your word. Let your word burn like fire this morning. Release your word, Lord God. Encourage hearts. Help us to be readers of your words and doers of your words, your word, Father. In Jesus' name, today, anoint me and let, the, uh, and let your message pierce hearts. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Matthew 25, verse 1. And I'm going to end it by by uh, this first things first with a great commandment by really Seeking to cultivate the presence of God in our life. Because it's up to us to cultivate the presence of God in our lives. Like I said in worship time, when Moses was going to face Pharaoh, he was struggling because he had a stuttering problem. And God says, I made the lips, don't worry about that. And he was a little bit fearful. But he said, I can't go on my own. And then the Lord says, instead of, I'm just going to go with you, he says, my presence will go with you. I want us to, in this last time, to cultivate a hunger for the oil of the Lord, uh, which is the presence of the Lord. So I want you to see Matthew 25 again. Now, I'm going to give you some little revelations, some tips, some, some, even some history about this scripture, because it's not just a cool parable uh, about ten virgins. It's something prophetically symbolic that God is calling us, the end time church, to walk in. Can I hear an amen? So watch this. I want to read from verse 1 through 13 in your Bibles, one, two, three, ready, set, go. Then the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, shall be likened to ten virgins who took, listen, who took their lamps. If you have a highlighter, I want you to highlight some words that we're going to highlight uh, today. They took their lamps. Highlight the word lamps. And went out to meet br- the bridegroom. Highlight bridegroom. How five of these virgins were wise. And five were foolish. Now, now notice... And i'm going to get i'm going to share this a little bit later in the message but notice they were all virgins i'm going to say that again they were all virgins and so this particular scripture is not like other parables i'm going to give you a revelation of the sheep and the goats where jesus is describing the christians and non-christians you hear me he's actually talking about prophetically symbolically all christians because the, when it talks, talks about virgins, it's talking about purity, and we could only be purified spiritually through the righteousness of Christ. Can I hear that? Okay, so, so I want you to give you a backdrop of he's not talking about, maybe this is new revelation to you, he's not talking about five bad people that, are, uh, that don't know the Lord, and then five good people that know Jesus. No, he's actually talking about ten, ty- ten types of Christians, so to speak, it prophetically and five of them were wise watch this and five of them were foolish does it mean that just because you're foolish that God doesn't love you but it does mean that we're going to miss out on some significant things in this earth why now why do I say that because everyone in this room predominantly are lovers of God and they're Christians and we fall in this category now what made five wise and what made five foolish according to to scripture now when I say foolish it's not like like us homeboys or homegirls like how you call it like call fool like what up fool now, it's not that he's not calling you like fool like in a derogatory term what he's doing is it, that unwise or foolish decisions is cutting off a certain uh, reality in their lives so here's what Jesus said those who were foolish now he explains we're talking about all Christians here now so that so that you could get that paradigm out of your head from the very beginning because most of the times when you read this scripture, many people, oh, that's, I'm part of the, the, the five virgins. The other, the other five were just sinners. No, no, he's not talking about that here prophetically. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took, watch this, no oil with them. Oh, I'm going to preach early this morning. They took no oil with them. But the wise virgins, wise Christians, took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered. Now see, here's another term. They all slumbered. A lot of theologians say that that was just a natural process. Okay? A natural process of slumbering or or sleeping. Now they were all Christians here. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said, I want you to hear this. The foolish said to the wise, give, this, I'm going to preach with this in a second. Give us some of your oil. Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, no, lest there should not be enough for us and for you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself oil. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, oh, Surely I say to you, I do not know you intimately. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Can I hear an Amen. Now, why do I say this? Because if we're going to love the Lord, our God, God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we broke down those four words last week. Last week, we broke down the word heart, which is talking about your emotions, right? We talked about our soul, which is talking about our personality and our speech. Remember, we talked about that. We also talked about our mind, which is our, our intellect and our thought life. And we also talked about our strength, which is symbolic of our resources. Are we really loving God with all of our resources? Are we? That's what it is to love God. It's not, we, we studied that loving God with all our heart is not just a singing song of admiration. Because if loving God with all our heart is just saying, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, then we'll have a whole bunch of people claiming that they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, but they're not living right. You know, there's a lot of people that want to change the world, but they're not living right. That was a good to say that part. Say Amen. Thank you for that one Amen. But Matthew twenty-five now is talking how to cultivate the oil of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God and the anointing in your life. Let's put the first slide up there. Is that the first slide? I want you to see this. You can write it down. Take a picture of it. The oil in Scripture is symbolic of God's presence and anointing. God's presence and anointing. Are you guys listening to me? Are you alive? The oil in Scripture is prophetically symbolic of the presence of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need, now watch this, I'm going to say this, something real powerful here. We need the presence of God to be first priority in our lives, watch this, to function properly. Because if you don't have the presence of God as first priority, you and I will be out of order. Do you know what out of order means? Does it mean out of order like we say uh, you're out of order? Like when you tell it to your kid, you're out of order because you're rude or your tone of voice is wrong. No. When I say out of order is that your very fabric and your makeup of your DNA in God needs the presence of God. And if you don't put the presence of God first priority, you will be cranky, you will be frustrated, you will be miserable, and you cannot be happy. You will be out of order. God is a God of order. And if you do not, hear me church, if Christians do not prioritize cultivating the oil of the presence of God it's your job to cultivate is your job to search for it it's not gonna it's not hard to find but it's our job to cultivate it through the word through prayer through putting a song in the background as long as you connect with the longing in your heart you will continue to have that oil drip on your heart and it will be refreshing for you if you don't have that my friends you'll be like me I have to spend time with God or I get very cranky I get very short and I get frustrated, and I become more impatient. Come on, I know none of you have that problem, but I do. I know all of you guys are good, but if I don't cultivate, because of busyness, because of meetings, because of the things that are are happening, and it's happened this week, all the upgrades that are good for our church, and all the things on the meetings that have to do with all these meetings, that's all great, but I noticed that it was consuming and taking some of the time that it was cultivating my oil, and this week was a miserable week for me. Not because, watch this, not because I didn't value what was going on in the building, not because I didn't value all the great things that are happening, Is because I was out of order. If you don't have oil as first priority, listen, if you, you could have the best car on the planet, if you don't have oil in that car. A moped will beat you. A bicycle will beat you. Because you were made to have oil of the Holy Spirit. That's it. You and I as Christians were designed by God to have the presence of God in us. There's a lot of Christians that have a lot of zeal to do a lot of things for God without purposely cultivating the oil of the presence of God in their life. You have to... Now now watch, here's this revelation now. I've never shared this before, but Matthew 25 is actually one whole teaching from Matthew 24. If you, if you do theological study, all right, Matthew 24, for those of you who read the Bible, is the famous end time... Scripture right because Matthew 24 says which the disciples said hey give us a sign of your time or of your coming and for like 11 or 12 verses Jesus says beware of rumors of wars and wars and and the earthquakes and then the moon will turn into blood and The sun all this stuff and he's starting he starts saying make sure no one deceives you That whole chapter on chapter 24 is an end time message. Here's a revelation chapter 25 is a continuation of the end time message he doesn't pause and say, I'm talking about end times. And then, like he bumped his head some, some weird story about ten versions. No, he is saying the kingdom of heaven is like, after he describes, watch this, end time pressure. After he describes end time reality and the pressures that are coming in time, he goes, I'm going to give you a clue how to survive the pressure of the end time. You need to cultivate oil in your life. It's all one teaching. All one teaching of Matthew 24, bleeding into Matthew 25, is about how you and I could withstand the pressures of the last day of these age. It cannot be done if we don't have first things first, and we don't have the presence of God as a priority in our life. That's what he's trying to say. He says, all these things are going to happen. Then he says, the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins. Oh, this is good stuff. It's, the foolish did not have to cultivate the oil as a priority. The wise had a priority. Say priority. See, a lot of us love the presence of God, but do we make it a priority? A lot of it, but unfortunately, a lot of Christians only label the presence of God as a feeling or a goosebump. Every time we feel a goosebump, I feel the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is more than a goosebump, and the Holy Spirit is more than enthusiasm, and it's more than your shout. It's a reality that is in your heart that fuels your Christian walk. It's the presence of God, and it changes you. And it's if closeness and intimacy, hear me now, if if closeness and intimacy with God is not first place in your life, just like me this past week, we all have those days, you will be out of order and you too will be frustrated and you too will be cranky more and you too will be more impatient. Because we're all by nature impatient and we're all by nature cranky. But guess what? If you don't have the presence of God, that's like crankiness on steroids. Do you realize that you and I can't function in the peace of God without purposely spending time with God? We have to get back to the good old-fashioned relationship with Jesus. Relationship with Jesus through the word and prayer. Intentionally. That means waking up early. Let me just say this. If you're struggling constantly with anger problems, check your time that you're cultivating the oil of the Holy Spirit. If you constantly find yourself always, always negative, ask yourself this, how, how much time have I spent with God? Let, let, watch this. If you're spending five minutes, I'm not putting a time meter t- to anything. I'm not trying to be legalistic. But if you're spending five minutes with God a day and you're spending 23 and a half or 17 and a half hours in the world facing worldly decisions, facing pressures, how- your tank eventually is going to dictate. Your output of what's going to happen in life. You can't expect to be happy with little cultivation of the presence of God in your life. Can I hear an amen? And I, and I, and I think about an example that I read a couple of days ago of a famous preacher. Listen to me. A famous uh, author, alright? I'm not going to say his name. Now, he loves chocolate chip cookies. How many love homemade chocolate chip cookies? Oh, Rabashata. Glory to God. That's just having a moment there. Homemade chocolate chip cookies. How many, come on man, don't be religious. How many like chocolate chip cookies? Everyone's like, I don't like sugar. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. So there's, this, there's a story of this, this author who just loved his mom's chocolate chip baked home, homemade cookies. And so he said a story in one of his books about he tried to duplicate that chocolate chip cookie recipe. And he said, it's pretty easy. Just get chocolate get chips, got get chocolate chips, you get some sugar, you get some eggs, you get some milk, and you get all whatever, whatever the, the, the thing, well not milk, <laughs> I don't know if you do that, but you get the flour and the eggs. He said, it's pretty easy. So he went on to say, in his book, as, as, as he recalls as his childhood, as he was making chocolate chip cookies, he asked his mom, "He give me all the recipes. So he goes, that's pretty easy, the eggs, he got the sugar, he got the butter. He got the the, the chocolate chips. He got the vanilla, right? And so he got that easy, and he was having a hard time finding the flour. Alright, so after a couple of minutes, he was running around and he, f- he found a big Tupperware with powdery stuff. He said, okay, I'll put that in there. And so he puts two cups of that powdery stuff, and then the sugar, and then the vanilla, and then all this stuff he puts in there. He puts it in the oven, he goes, okay, it's going to be just like my mom made it, because I followed the recipe, to the T. It comes out, and it's, instead of being round and fluffy, it's hard and flat. And when he takes a bite out of it, he spits it out, because it tastes like pure salt. And he's like, oh, mom, this does not work. Your recipe does not work at all. i followed it to the T. And his mom said, boy, what did you put in that cookie? <laughs> he goes, I did everything. I put the butter. I put the chocolate chips. I put the, put the, 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 the sugar. And I put the flour. And she goes, show me the, the, what you put for the flour. And so she, he showed the bin that he used with the powdery stuff. And she nodded her head like, son, that's not flour. That's baking soda. And so she he was cooking with just one, watch this, everything right, just one ingredient was off and ruined the whole thing. What's the lesson? The lesson is you cannot substitute, substitute the original ingredient for something and expect it to turn out the same. You better you better shout at me this morning. You cannot substitute what was meant. For original ingredient, even one ingredient, if you take it away, it will make the whole thing nasty. It's the same thing. If you take the main ingredient out, you can have good works. You can have a, uh, you can love people. You can evangelize, and you could, you could lead them to the Lord, and you could go to church, and you could serve. But if you take out the ingredient of the oil of the presence of God, the outcome will change drastically. Why? The lesson is what you put first as a foundation and ingredient, and the ingredient affects the outcome. You better say amen to that. Because there's a lot of Christians that do a lot of great things, but they're missing the ingredient of cultivating oil. Because you, because American Christianity is so fast paced, that we don't have time to do that. Like I told you, this past week, I admit, I'm going to be honest with you guys and transparent. I was cranky. I was cranky with my wife. I was cranky with people. Why? Because I, was got, I got so busy that I allowed time to dominate my time that i supposed to cultivate presence in my life. And so yesterday, I spent four hours with the Lord, and I was suddenly different. And I know that sounds so cliche but I was. And some people would say, oh, you're just a hypocrite. No, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm just happy now because the presence of God is in the right place. Do you understand? It's not... Uh, it, it, you, have, you, you and I... Okay, let me just say this. I feel this from the Lord. What do you get your identity out of? A lot of people get their identity by what they do instead of spending time with Jesus. And so we become real professional Christians that do great things for God, and we have no oil. And listen, the Holy Spirit through Jesus said there were 10 virgins and Christians, but five of them were foolish, not because they didn't do good works, but because they did have the first priority of cultivating oil in their life. Can I hear the amen on that? A couple words I want you to highlight. I already highlighted a couple. So the the word virgins there is symbolic of all Christians. Say all Christians. Say all Christians. Say he's talking about me. The second word I want you to highlight is lamp. Because it said the, the, the virgins got their lamp. Now, this may be a little revelation for you, so I want you to follow along. Lamp was the instrument or vehicle Wally has always said that before. A pen is just a vehicle, right? The pen is just an instrument, but it's in the hands of you, the the owner, and the pen does beautiful things. But a pen by itself can't make anything happen. The lamp is the instrument by which carries light. That's symbolic of two things. The lamp is symbolic of the actual vessel of, of, of the body of Christ, or ministries there's a lot ooh this is so good there's a lot of ministries that want to project light but have no oil in their ministries and so the ve- so the lamp is a vehicle say a vehicle it's an instrument that carries the oil without oil the lamp is nothing do you see that without oil in this ministry this building is nothing you know this is a middle school do you know that there's crazy middle schools here every single every single week But we convert this into the presence of the Lord into the house of God on Sundays. Why? Because it's just a vessel It's just an instrument, but the people of God Infuse this place with the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is in you There's nothing worse than Christians who are dry all the time It's not and so lamp is the instrument which is symbolic of people and the ministry and of course bridegroom Is symbolic of Jesus, watch this, in his revelatory stance of a lovesick bridegroom for his bride, his people. No other religion classifies their God as a bridegroom. Think about that. Think about that. What other religion, what other religion, whether it's Allah or Hare Krishna or Buddha, that that they describe, that their followers describe their God as a loving bridegroom God who is lovesick for their bride, His people. None. This is a revelation of why we need to cultivate the oil of intimacy, because God is saying, I'm your bridegroom and you're my bride, and there has to be that intimacy between me and you spiritually. And how do you do that? Spend time with God. What does the oil do? What does the oil of the Holy Spirit do in all of us? I'm going to give you a couple of things. It's not on the screen. The oil of the Holy Spirit says this. Actually, put that next screen on, Zach. The five wise virgins acquired oil as their priority in life and in ministry. Therefore, their lamps shined. Their ministries shined. Their vessels shined. Their homes shined because they cultivated oil. Don't answer me. But when's the last time you purposely took, got away from everything Just to make sure the oil of the Holy Spirit came back into your vessel. Got quiet in RCC. You down with RCC? Okay. The oil of the Holy Spirit does a couple of things. Number one, it tenderizes our heart. When you spend time in the presence of God, it tenderizes your heart to the reality of God. Can I hear an amen? There's so many times that I'm in the presence of God that I come in there with a hard heart and... After a couple of songs or a couple of times, I just feel my heart melting before the Lord. Do you know the Bible says, the hills burn like wax in the, come on, presence of the Lord. Guys, if the hills could burn at the presence of the Lord, your heart will, can, can melt in the presence of the Lord. That hard heart is tenderized in the oven of the presence of God. And please don't blame your personality for how you are. A lot of people say, well, you know, I'm cranky because that's my personality. No, you may have a hard personality, or you may have a soft personality. But either way, your heart could be tenderized by the presence of God. And how you know it is how you treat people. That's, that's a clue. And how you, how, how you treat God. How you view God. Number two, the oil of the Holy Spirit, when you cultivate it, it would enlarge your heart, your desire for Him. So it tenderizes your heart, and it enlarges your desire for Him. What does the Bible say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness, for they shall be filled. Another word for filled is satisfied. That means when you get time cultivating the presence of God in your life, something happens automatically. It will give you a fresh hunger for Jesus. Oh, how we need that in the church today. Guys, I'm, pre- I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. We, we, are, we for the most part, have lost hunger to be with jesus we've we've become about programs and becomes about the next big thing but when's the last time you said man i gotta get i need to spend time with god i was having a meeting this week and i was telling our youth pastor i go i need time with god because your your spirit longs for that can i hear an amen number three the all of the of the holy spirit illuminates our understanding of god's beauty the oil of the Holy Spirit, it tenderizes our heart, it enlarges our desire for Him, and it, and it illuminates our understanding of His beauty. I have had a greater understanding of God's beauty by spending time in His presence and in His Word. His Word will reveal His beauty. Can I hear an amen? It is. His majesty. You just, His, His majesty, His presence is not known by osmosis. By the way, stop trying to get other people's faith on your faith because it's not gonna work that way you have to cultivate your, your own and then the last thing the oil of the Holy Spirit imparts zeal oh, this listen to this the oil of the Holy Spirit when you cultivate it thoroughly and consistently in your life it will give you a renewed zeal for righteousness that will help you overcome the tendencies and temptations of sin is anybody alive at RCC this morning when you spend time with God, it will give you a renewed zeal to fight off temptation. If you don't spend time with God, temptations are going to come much faster and much easier for you to yield to. But when you spend time cultivating the oil, it will give you not only an enlarged uh, desire for God, it will not only give you a sensitive heart for, for the Holy Spirit, but it will also re-energize you and give you fresh zeal for righteousness. Say amen! Amen! Fresh zeal for righteousness. Fresh zeal for righteousness. When's the last time you and I had a fresh zeal for, uh uh-uh, I ain't going there anymore. Because I spent time cultivating that oil and I have a fresh outlook on holiness now. You know what the Lord told me years ago? I I know this this is not in my notes. And you guys are going to like this. Years, you know, especially in this day and age of our culture, relativism. A lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times when well-meaning Christians are trying to live holy you know what other Christians say you're just being religious You're just trying to live holy. And I understand there are legalistic people. I know that. So we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I know that there are super legalistic people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're really trying to live godly life and you're spending time with God. What I find is happening in the modern day church is other Christians are fighting other Christians. They're saying, oh, you're just being religious. And what's happening is that we are calling what God calls holy religious. I remember years ago when I was just trying to live right and I was just getting all these people, you know, some people just saying, oh, no, no, it's, it's okay to watch that with all this stuff. It's okay. You're mature. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, stop calling religious what I call holy. Thank you for that. Three claps. Amen. You know, you could clap at church. <laughs> people are like, amen. Maybe, maybe that's a good time. Say Jesus. Now the foolish took their lamps or their ministries, but they took no oil. Here's the symbolism of the foolish virgins. In other words, the foolish ones they pursued ministry. Hear me, hear me, church. They pursued ministry opportunities at the expense of developing and cultivating the presence of God in their ministries. The the wise ones pursued jesus first and as a result ministry came out of their pursuit of jesus so there's two types of christians and the two types of ministries there's ministries that go out of the earth and they are exploding with revival They are exploding with programs they're exploding with things but they have no oil and i said it before i'm going to say it again Ephesus was a revival center. If you study the book of Ephesians or Revelations and you study the church of Ephesus, there was many times that Ephesus was a revival center. It was known to to have great impact, but the Lord gave them like about seven accolades and just gave them one little rebuke. But that one little rebuke said everything that they were not prioritizing right. They said, you've done this and you've done that and you feed the poor and you go into outreach and you go into community and you're doing this. nevertheless I have one thing against you you have forgotten your first love do you know what the Jesus response to that was I read it before and I read it again he did not say so so therefore just clean things up a little bit he used what many of us in the church now consider a curse word he said repent (gasps) you said repent and Sunday morning church how dare you Pastor George Jesus said repent repent you're doing good things I love you repent and go back to your first love oh oh, oh, you, you want you want you want to hear something real cool he said go and buy oil for yourselves talking about the talking about the virgins Jesus said go buy oil cultivate it why buying it because sometimes buying it is costly to your life you have to understand that Jesus emphasized the great need to cultivate the oil of intimacy in the end times. There are people. Now I want you to see this in verse 8. Zach, if you could put uh, verse 8 up there of the same uh, verse, Matthew 28. Sorry, Matthew 25. And I want to highlight this one little verse. Are you getting something this morning? Are you getting some this morning? So watch this. Look at verse 8. This is key. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Say that with me. Give us some of your oil. Say that again. Give us some of your oil. And it says, for our lamps are going out. Now, why am I highlighting this verse? Because there are people, hear me now, that out there, there are people in ministries that will try to duplicate people and ministries that are operating in great power and in great presence. They're trying to duplicate that oil that's on other ministries without paying the price to get their own. And it will never Work. You will never get the same results of powerful ministries that have paid the price of cultivating the oil if you just trying to get theirs. And that's what this, this Jesus is trying to say. That the foolish one said, hey listen, I realize that my vessel, that my ministry, symbolically speaking, is not as powerful as yours. Mine is about to fade out. Can you give me some of yours? And you can never duplicate what someone spent time paying a price for. You can never duplicate what someone else paid the price for. I want your joy. Well, guess what? Read the word. I mean, it is, it's not like there's somebody bubbling with joy and you're depressed and you, like, rub shoulders with them. You're like, wow, now I got some of your joy. Wow, thank you. Man, I, don't have to I, don't, I don't have to spend time with God now. The Lord says the foolish ones ask for the oil of other people because they realize, uh-oh, I'm about to get burned out. I'm, a, I'm, I'm about to backslide. But we get so busy running 100 miles an hour that we start, watch this, instead of saying priority to get into the well of God's presence, hey, give me some of yours. So are you ready for this? This is a modern day version. Modern day version of give me your oil. We sit in front of TV, watch great ministries, and, and our Christianity is based on conference to conference to conference and five of our best Christian TV shows so that we could get fed But we're not taking time in our own self to cultivate that oil. You cannot get the oil by watching Christian television. I'm not saying that God God can't use Christian television. I'm saying that can't be the substitute because you're putting that baking soda in there. Come on, church! Come on, church! This is what it's all about. Well, I'm, I'm living experience with it. Because I know when I have these bad weeks, I check my oil level. You know sometimes even in the natural we go on for like 3,000 miles, 4,000 miles, 5,000 miles and we get so busy with our work that our oil is like you better change me. I remember one time, this is not even my notes, I remember one time now that my wife is here, I, I remember I was in San Diego a couple, of we, a couple of years ago. And I was so bu- busy with uh, the going in and out, going in and out and traveling that I neglected my, my car, you know, and, and the oil. And then I remember she calling me and I'm like in the middle of about to speak in a conference. And my old car, think God I don't have it anymore, God bless me with a new one, hallelujah. Well, I ran that car till it's died, man. I was like... <laughs> but when, three years ago, she called me, she goes, there's smoke coming out your car. And she was driving at that time. It was like almost fire. I was like, oh, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't know what was happening. When I did some research, I realized there was no oil. And she was driving on fumes. Do you realize that That I realized there that was my fault? She could have got harmed because of the fact that I neglected to change oil in my car. And some of you are running on fumes spiritually. And you need oil, amen, in your car and in your spirit. Can I hear an amen? I said, can I hear an amen? I'm preaching good. It's okay. Jesus exhorts us to buy oil, say oil. I want you to put this slide up, now I want you to, I want you to write this down, this is real simple. Here's, here's one of the last slides, ready? The first and primary call of God on our lives is to be with God. Let's say that again. The first and primary call, call, I'm talking about your calling of God is to be with God. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to preach good here for the next 15 minutes here. When Jesus called his disciples, I want you to hear me, hear me, look, look at me. When Jesus called his disciples and he's about to change the world with his disciples, the first thing he wanted from the disciples is for them to be with him. You say, no, Pastor George, that's not what he did. I want you to look at Mark chapter 3. Are you ready for this? Mark chapter 3, verse 13. The primary the primary call of God on your life is to be with God. Say that with me. The primary call of God on my life is to be with God. Look at me. Before your pastor call, before your missionary call, before your worship call, before your... Uh, uh, Financial call, before your business call, whatever call of God that you have, before that, your primary call is to be with God. Now you say, Pastor George, where is that in Scripture? I'm glad you asked me that. Verse 13, look at verse 13. For some reason, I feel the life of God this morning here. Look at verse 13, Mark 3, verse 13. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called, everybody say called. Okay. Called, watch this, to him those he himself wanted. That's not the revelation. Here it goes. And then they came to him. Watch this next verse. Then he appointed twelve. What's the reason he appointed twelve? That they might be with him. That they might be with him. Look at the order. It's not that they would preach first. That they would be with him. If the worship team could come up, please. The worship team. That they might be with him and <laughs> I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just preaching to myself here. And that he might send them out to preach. He did not call them first to preach. He did not say, where's the 12 that I'm going to change the world? So, Where's the 12 that are going to change the world so I can send them immediately out to preach? There's a lot of people that they get saved and they get called into ministry prematurely because they want to be sent out first before spending time with God. The whole reason that Jesus had the 12, he said, i want to have the 12 because I have a little secret desire. I'm God and I can have anything in my life. But here's the secret. I want to be with them and I want them to be with me. Here's the reason. Hey, you 12, hang out with me. I want to know you. I want to duplicate myself in you. I want to show you my love. I just want to be with you and I want you to be with. Look, at, read it again. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him. Then, after they be with him for a while, that he might send them out to preach. That is the order of every Christian in in, in the world. It has to be that order or your ministry will be unfruitful. Yes, I said it. Your ministry will be unfruitful if you don't have the order of first being with him and then second sent out to preach. Most most ministries is first have the zeal to get out to preach and then spend time with him. It's not in that order. You're out of order the primary call of God is to be with God oh glory to God the worship team can get up here and start playing something I feel the Holy Spirit how many feel the Holy Spirit look Jesus' goal was not to pass out information to his disciples Jesus' goal was not to pass out revelation of ministry to his disciples his goal was I want people to be with me where has that gone in 2017 in America seriously where has the call of God everybody's talking about the call of God nowadays the Bible says he called them to be with him and then out of that reality came missions came evangelism came preaching came discipleship not in the other order Preach it, Pastor George. I'm trying. Listen, I highly value passionately living for God because I'm a passionate person. Listen, I highly value passion. I myself, if you guys know me, I'm a very passionate person. However, I'm finding a new passion and a new zeal that's coming on in the body of Christ. I often find believers who are more passionate about the idea of God using them than the reality of the excitement of being with God. I I value passionately living, but I, I, I see a trend in Christianity that there's more people excited about the reality of being used mightily of God, that there I say, being used by God without cultivating the oil of intimacy is actually idolatry. Because now, because now seeking to be on a platform becomes your main goal now coming behind a pulpit is your dream or preaching in front of stadiums becomes your thing and all of a sudden you realize that the excitement that you have for ministry should have first had the excitement of being with God you cannot have, let me just rephrase that, you cannot sustain that kind of passion for long Sure that passion will probably last several months oh I can't wait till God uses me I can't wait till I shake the world for Jesus I can't wait till I get behind the pulpit if you think ministry is behind this pulpit only then you have a long road ahead These, this one hour that I'm behind the pulpit is not full time ministry full time ministry is me collecting and cultivating the presence of God in my life so that I can be effective in every area of my life When's the last time you opened the Word? Don't, don't, don't talk to me, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. When's the last time you cracked open the Bible? Not on Sunday mornings. Hopefully on Sunday mornings, you do. When's the last time you opened the Bible on a Wednesday morning? Tuesday morning? On a Monday morning? And just spent five, ten minutes cultivating the oil so that oil could start releasing you into the beauty of God to prepare you later for ministry. I heard a prophet say this. The desire for ministry has become as addictive as crack cocaine. Now, he said that prophetically. But there, can I just be honest? There's an addiction, a real addiction for people that want to be in ministry that drives them to have ministry first instead of oil first. Same with money. There's a drive of business people. If you're not careful to make money, watch this, for the kingdom. You're doing it for good purposes. But your drive... To make money for the kingdom could be an addiction in itself without you cultivating the oil and sitting in the presence of God. So, the last scripture. I want you to look at someone who had the shortest biblical resume. (laughs) Look at me, look at me. How many many of you guys have ever ever written a resume either a couple years ago or just recently for a job? Come on. Come on, raise your hand. How many of you, okay. It's okay, I'm not rebuking you on this you're like can I raise my hand is it bad no it's good writing a resume is good but what do you do when you write a resume you you boost yourself up you got to make sure there's like about two pages there so that you can impress the boss right or somebody's gonna hire you I worked at this and I worked at that and I was CEO of this and I was assistant CEO of this and you we, we heighten our titles right and I was assistant of the assistant of the assistant CEO so all the resume looks good so when the person gets it the employer gets it they say wow you the assistant or you're the the, this person and that person, and they evaluate you based on the resume that you give them. I want you to see the shortest resume in biblical history. There's only about three or four verses about this person that yet yeah, is the most powerful resume. Imagine you going to your job interview and you say, "Worked at this place." That's it." And period. there's no else. But just just did that. Nine times out of ten, the guy's going to be like, "Next in the natural." now I want you to look at Genesis last scripture Genesis chapter 5 verse 20 sorry verse 18 and I'm going to put everything into perspective to tell you what's really important in life are you ready? I said are you ready? when God was giving the genealogy of Adam okay, giving the genealogy of Adam the family history of Adam this is one dude that pops out in the midst of all these and he begot this and he begot that and he begot this and begot, begot, begot begot. just he gave birth to they gave birth to those of you who don't know and this person gave birth to that and this family gave birth to this and this family gave birth to that in the midst of all that I want you to see Genesis 5 verse 18 Jared lived 162 years old and begot Enoch everybody say Enoch now look at this powerful short resume after he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years long time my brother got <laughs> and had sons and daughters, so look at all the days of Jared he went to Jared's. were 962 years watch this and then he died, watch this Enoch lived 65 years and then he begot or gave birth that had uh, Methuselah watch this very slowly after he begot Methuselah here's a resume, Enoch walked with God for 300 years 300 years I'm not talking about walking with God sporadically here is his resume, the Holy Spirit could have put anything about Enoch, it could have said look at his signs and wonders, look at his ministry, look how many people he led to the Lord, look how many missions trips he went to, that was never on his resume, he says for 300 years, here's the resume and it's over Enoch walked with God for 300 years, watch this Watch this. And he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Look, Watch this. Here's another another verse. And the last verse you hear about Enoch in the Old Testament. The last verse you will ever hear of of Enoch in the Old Testament. There's some reference to him in in the New Testament. Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. Enoch. Hey, Enoch. What's your resume? Give me your professional resume in the spirit. Give me your resume that will make me hire you as a man of God or a woman of God. Here's my resume. Enoch walked with God. That's it. You don't hear anything else about him anymore. He just walked with God. Do you realize that what we think is insignificant is the most important in God's eyes? Enoch walked with God first out of every ministry assignment and every call of God in your life has to stem from and he walked with God. Every ministry assignment and every gift assignment that you have must stem from and she walked with God. Every business thing that you do, every, every art thing that you do, every evangelism that you do, every preaching that you do, come on somebody, every, every business deal that you do, every success that you do must stem from, and he walked with God. They could say anything else about you, that's good, but if they don't say, and he walked with God, you're missing something out of anything that God could have put in the Old Testament about Enoch have you ever read the book the story of David David that they ha- they has a whole chapter describing David's mighty men and their exploits and there's a time for that uh, how how they fought the battle of the Lord and they and and the one dude fought all these Philistines and had his his hand uh, clung to the sword that they had to pry his hand from the sword all these accomplishments and so there's many times that the Bible actually commemorates the works of the Lord but in enoch's case he said i'm going to give you the greatest the greatest most powerful resume in it's one sentence enoch walk with god I said, over end of resume that is the greatest i said that is the greatest you shall love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind and with all your strength then he said this and you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other greater commandment than these How do you, how do you do that? By walking with God, cultivating the presence of God. There's two types of Christians in this room today. There's the five wise virgins that are cultivating oil in their ministries. They're cultivating oil, they're actually setting aside a time apart just to have time with God. Then there's other Christians that are running on reputation and on the name. Because if you only have the reputation and the name of Christianity because you love God, you will increasingly get frustrated because you will be out of order. You're not built to be without presence. You're not built to be without oil. I want everyone to stand up. Is the Lord speaking to you this morning? Is the Lord speaking to you this morning? End the frustration by having a new resume. The new resume is not what you can do for God or for His kingdom. The new resume is to cultivate oil. Be the five virgins that that say, you know what, I'm going to cultivate or I'm going to pay the price and I'm going to spend some time in my busy day to put a CD on, to put some music on, to open the Word and let the river of the oil tenderize my heart again. Some of you, like my car years ago, I'm prophesying to you because I know this in the spirit. You're running on fumes, spiritually, emotionally you're running on fumes. And you know what? You love the work of the Lord. You love God and you want to see God's kingdom come to pass, but you're running on fumes. Here, here's the doctor's order this morning. Here's, you, you're coming to the spiritual doctor and he's going to give you a prescription. He says cultivate oil, pause everything that you're doing, shut everything down put everything on pause and cultivate the oil of the Holy Spirit in you that's how you're going to be happy that's how you're going to be fruitful and that's how you're going to be listen sustained for the long haul and Enoch walked with God my prayer this morning is when they look at you and when they look at your resume they'll say and he walked with God And she walked with God. And RCC walked with God. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands right now. I want you to contend for this. I want you to contend for the oil. It's okay, listen. It's not a curse word to repent. It's okay to say, God, I've missed it. I repent for not cultivating oil, for being so busy. I, I, I repent for not spending time with God. I've done that today. I did it this week. I said, Lord, forgive me for being so busy this week. We all have our moments. But right now, come on, I want you to ask God to cultivate that in your spirit right now come on as we as we close i just want to worship right now thank you for tuning into our podcast for more information about us please visit remnantchristiancenter.com